0: Remember Jacob supply quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now on to the show. men walking love that riff yeah Come back that's you know we've been out of the studio for a couple months now i know we've been running our fight laugh feast uh, yeah. with uh geez doug wilson and dr ben merkel dr, yep. dr. joe
1: Booth. so many
0: so you guys have been listening to some of the stuff that we covered in south dakota but we're going to break it up because um we have a very special guest on today yeah uh he's a pastor he's the president of founders ministry and uh i just looked at some houses about 15 miles south of where his church is in florida i just might move you should there. move
1: yes for sure uh, and,
0: and, and who knows it's uh pastor tom askell tom how are you sir doing great uh so where are you looking at houses maybe i can help you out <laughs> well it was uh it was a little city uh, about 10 miles uh north of what is it down there cape coral and uh right. my, my wife and i were we're ocean and lake people we're in michigan here so we spend a lot of time at lake michigan lake superior but uh, yeah. man that ocean and that sun is appealing oh yeah and uh, you got
2: coast is great,
0: Florida, and Florida's going. Uh, I don't know, and I, I wouldn't say crazy, but man, oh, it's, Santa's,
1: I, I think it's great Free. down there. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Yeah, man, yeah, this, this is
2: what the United States used to be. Yeah, yeah exactly. Amen,
0: Abs- absolutely. So, uh, Why don't you give us just a maybe one or two minute bio of who you are, Pastor, uh, let the listeners know, and then we're going to jump into some newsy news.
2: Yeah, well, uh, I've been pastor here in Cape Coral, Florida at Grace Baptist Church for 35 years. I'm a native Texan, and my wife and I have been married 41 years, and we have six children, four of whom are married, 14 grandchildren, one on the way. I'm the president of Founders Ministries, was involved in starting that ministry back in 1982, and uh, just recently we have launched the Institute of Public Theology, which will begin classes this fall. So I'm the founding president uh, of that institution, as well as one of the founding faculty members, along with Bodie Balkum Tom Mettles, and my associate here, Jared Longshore.
0: Awesome. And we are going to get into a subject that can be touchy for some believers, but we wanted to have you on because I had seen a couple videos that you uh, had put out, or or maybe someone else had put out, but basically videos of you talking about this subject of females in pastoral roles, what the Bible says about it, and you were so articulate on On that subject matter, that we did want to have you on and talk about that. First, we are going to do our newsy news segment, though. That's just where we throw out a couple news stories. Pastor Tom, feel free to jump in and comment. We might even throw it over to you. But, Jason, you want to do some? Let's go. News, the news, the newsy, newsy news, the news, the news, the news, the news, the news, news, news. We got some news! <laughs> nothing like having someone on like pastor Tom yeah, Oswald, right? and then he has to sit through that intro i know right you know, we just like to bring you down a few so, notches yeah, yeah. you know can I, can I comment on the intro or yeah that you, could, you could if you want <laughs> like, can I comment
1: on you? you need to change that yeah right oh man that's <laughs> so what's our great. first story yeah yeah so uh we're gonna we're gonna stay a little serious today on the on the subject matter but uh U.S. church membership falls below majority for first time. There was a Gallup poll. This is from March 29th, actually. Okay. So it's a little bit uh, a ways back. But some of the highlights. In 2020, 47% of the U.S. adults belong to a church, synagogue, or mosque, down more than 20 points from hmm. turn of the century. Um, the change primarily due to rise in Americans with no religious preference.
0: Do, do you think so. COVID had anything to do with that, too, maybe? I don't know. I, I think it's been a downward trend anyway. It has
1: it? been, yeah, and um, possibly with that. But I mean, this is this is comparing to 1999, uh, 98 through uh, two thousand. Okay. So,
2: so twenty, yeah. And so. I would say COVID exposed it. I mean, COVID yeah, didn't yeah. necessarily create it. Definitely. It. And yeah. we've been we've been living with a lot of superficial Christianity, and that's probably true of these other religions as well for a long time. Mm. Um, and this just exposed, I, I, I've seen two polls, two two studies that indicate that anywhere from 25 to 30 percent of the people who are active in churches in January of 2020 have no intention of going back. And wow. That's, and they didn't. COVID didn't create it. COVID exposed it. Yeah. yeah. So
0: I think I know the reason, but what do you think the reason is for the steep decline over the last 20 years of church membership, pastor?
2: Well, I I think there's several things. One is I believe we've got a lot of unregenerate people that are in our churches. Mm. And so um, depending on how you measure or uh, what metrics you use for membership, there are a lot of people that probably have been members of churches that just don't know the Lord. And then so often in the broader evangelical world we live in in United States and North America is superficial. The Christianity is superficial. So it's really not biblical Christianity. And then we've just had this massive rise of paganism. Yeah. We've gone from yeah. secularism into paganism today. So all kind of mysticism and John Lennon, you know, imagine yeah. that kind sure. of stuff. That's just taken the world by storm and the kind of christianity that we had been imbibing for the last 75 years or so hasn't been biblically muscular enough to withstand that onslaught so we've just kind of been overrun yeah well said yeah. well said
0: yeah a self-centered gospel is no gospel at all and i feel like many churches are very self-centered instead of christ-centered which uh, yeah. Yeah. does not leave you in a good place in in times of even something like COVID, I would say. Definitely. Yeah, let's... Uh, do you have something, Jason?
1: No, no. I I mean, I'm right there with you guys. I mean, the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth preaching that, uh, you know, is, is out there right now. Um, mm, uh, yeah. Absolutely. So...
0: Okay, let's move on to the second story. Uh, this, I pulled this from CNN because we love garbage headlines, and that's what yeah. CNN gives us, because they always give us something <laughs> slanted, because they're supposedly pure <laughs> journalism, but let's see. Yeah. Southern Baptist Convention can dodge a schism, but not its own history. Ooh. Where's our where's our dun-dun-dun? Uh, All right, where's, uh, it? Yeah, where's man, that at? Yeah. we got to drop for it, but we're not going to do it. Uh, I'm just going to read the first uh, paragraph or two, because I can't stomach the rest. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention in Nashville this week nearly elected a, le- a less hardline leader in Ed Litton, but don't be fooled. This meeting largely confirmed that the victory of what the SBC calls the conservative resurgence of the 1980s endures. So CNN's kind of playing both sides are saying, well, we think they got a more moderate leader, but they're also the, the conservatism is enduring. We weren't there. I'm not part of the SBC. We Uh follow it closely. I obviously as the largest denomination, Protestant denomination in the United States. I know pastor Tom was there, uh, do you have any comments? And, and, we, and we I've been following Rod Martin, who's been on the oh, podcast man. He's before. A, yeah, yeah, Rod <laughs> he's, is We're great. friends with him online. Oh, man. And I was like, you know, I'm not even going to the news. I'll just I know, check you just Rod go Martin's to his Facebook.
1: Because <laughs> he's so passionate,
0: giving us the updates and the inside love it, look to love it. Love uh,
1: Thank you, Rod. <laughs>
0: yeah, thanks, shout out to Rod. Come <laughs> yeah. back on anytime. Uh, but so, uh, Pastor, w- what was your thoughts on that being down in um, the, at the convention uh, last weekend?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that CNN headline and what you read, perfectly illustrates the folly of so many who are trying to lead the SBC right now in thinking that you can appease the world. If mm-hmm. we heard it once, we heard it 10 times during the convention. The world is watching. The world is watching. Huh. You know, we've got to be nice. Don't, don't say these divisive things. The world is watching. And it's like we've forgotten there's a God in heaven and he is watching too. And <laughs> oh, so it in, you know, the, the, <laughs> If we want to come across nice to CNN, there's just no way. There's no way because they're operating off of a completely different understanding of the world. They deny the God who created the world. Uh, they are opposed to God and anything God says. I, I've watched a couple of these little uh, talking heads off C- CNN over the last few days regarding the SBC, and it's hilarious to me. Some of them are trying to actually do theology. Wow. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting I'm misquoting Bible verses, and I just want to respond to them. Hey, look, guys, I will not try to do fake journalism if you will try to not to <laughs> <Yeah>. do theology. <laughs> so I, I'm disappointed. Uh, yes. Disappointed that some of our SBC leaders are buying into that, and they're just being played by that. They think they can placate the world. There's absolutely no way. And the only way forward is for us to say, this is what the Lord Jesus says, and we are going to stand with him. And we love you enough to tell you the truth even though you're going to hate us for
0: it. It's so funny because uh, 20 minutes before we started this uh, episode, uh, I was texting with my father back and forth, and he's reading some Tozer, and uh, I sent him one of my favorite quotes, to be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men. Hmm. And it's so true. You you can't appease both the uh the 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 culture of the gospel cannot bow to the culture of the secular culture right you know and yeah. we talk about that all the time and there's nothing that we can
1: do as as the church we, there's there's always going to be something else that the world wants us to you know that we have oh, to oh 100% you know not just the coffee yeah. and the smoke machines and making it like a concert <laughs> but also you know smoke well, okay machines may, don't maybe not say. the coffee let's 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 okay, stay yeah. away from the coffee guys stay away guys, from the all coffee right? leave that there
0: get rid of the smoke um, uh, machines
1: but yeah yeah but uh but yeah i mean it, it's like there what's what's next what do we have to put in the church next to get people in the doors oh, you know makes me and sick, it's like man. that's, like that's not the about gospel it. yeah
2: i mean i mean no one uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Tom. Well, yeah, I, 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 watched, I think it's Joe Scarborough. I'm not sure. It's Morning Joe, whoever that is, on CNN. He was a part of one of these panels, kind of leading it uh, the last couple of days. And uh, he talked about going to Sunday school. He said he is a Southern Baptist and he used to go to training and all this stuff. And you know, that, that Southern Baptists have just become so mean, so narrow, <laughs> so fundamentalistic. And uh, they believe that you have to oppose abortion and all these other things. He said, where, "They they need to get back to being like Jesus." You know, they. I mean, everybody's mad at them. They're offending everybody because they're not like Jesus. Let's be like Jesus, and you know, they're not Christ-like. And I, I wanted to say, you know, Jesus was pretty Christ-like, and they crucified him. Yeah, I mean, the world right. really put up with him. So it's just this mentality drives me nuts. I understand it. I'm not a, not appalled by it from the world. What appalls me is when those of us who profess to know Jesus yes. get manipulated by it. Yeah. That's what disagrees me. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Definitely. All right, is that all we got on news? Yeah, that's the news. Short news segment for you guys today,
0: yeah. but let's dive right into it, because we don't want to take up too much of Pastor Tom's time. But yeah. So the subject we wanted to talk about, like we said at the top of the show, um, it can be a touchy one for some people. Um, I know I have been accused of being heartless yeah. and chauvinistic, and sexist. What? And heck, throw in racist too. Why yeah. not? I mean, everyone's a racist nowadays. Yeah, um, CRT. Obviously, I'm being facetious, but yeah, yeah. we just wanted to talk to you, Pastor, about what does scripture say about female pastors? Maybe defined what a pastor is. We did an episode on Ezekiel 34 and really dove into what a shepherd should be, uh, the requirements for eldership and shepherds mm-hmm. and pastors. but. First of all, I would just like to preface this with saying we need to define our terms because we throw pastor around for everything. If you're in an evangelical church, you have a children's pastor, a youth pastor, a worship pastor, you have the main, you know, things like that. So when when we're talking about this subject, what are we meaning when we say pastor?
2: Yeah, well, the word pastor normally appears in the verb form in the New Testament, I think in the noun form only once, maybe twice, and uh, Ephesians. 10 and 11 would be one of the noun forms. and I can't recall off the top of my head if there's another. But it is equivalent with the word for elder and the word for bishop or overseer. Mm-hmm. So you see this in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, where Peter uses all three terms interchangeably. You see it in Acts chapter 20, along about verses 26 to 28, where Paul admonishes the elders of Ephesus to oversee, to act as bishops, of the church and shepherd the flock of God, the pastor, the, the flock of God. So an elder is a bishop is the pastor. Now, I, I don't know what your, you guys' ecclesiological background is, but there are some who uh, see bishops in a different category, like they're, they're super pastors or hmm. they, they're you know kind of above the normal. Sure. Elders. Uh-huh. I, I don't think that's tenable biblically, obviously you know, I'm a Baptist and free church tradition. So that's, we've seen those things pretty clearly and uh, stakes our claim there. So when you're talking about a pastor, you're talking about somebody who needs to measure up to the biblical qualifications that are laid out for us in Scripture, uh, in Paul's admonitions to Timothy and Titus, as well as just what he says about himself and and those, uh, like in Acts chapter 20, where he admonishes the very elders of Ephesus, that he himself probably appointed during his three years in that city,
0: so what are the biblical qualifications of pastoralship or eldership in the Bible?
2: Well, there's several of them. I mean, you find them in uh, uh, the First Timothy three and Titus one passages. So you you can just look at those and uh-huh. see what Paul says. I mean, he, uh, an overseer must have uh, must be trust must be above reproach. A husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, gentle. Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, manage his own household well with all dignity, keep his children in submission, Um, must not be a recent convert. Uh, He must be well thought of by outsiders so he would not fall into disgrace or escape the snare of the devil. Titus 1 says that he must be so sound in doctrine that he's able to refute those who oppose sound doctrine. He must be able to stop the mouths of those that are disrupting households by Mm -hmm. false teaching. So a pastor's got to be all of these moral qualifications. He's got to have some skill in teaching. I don't think that necessarily means he needs to be a skillful preacher behind a pulpit, but he does need to be a person who when folks are around him, they learn. So he's got to be able to teach uh, at some capacity, some level, but he's got to understand theology. He's got to be able to Uh, recognize the truth of God's word in a way that he can apply it to life today so that people don't just be get get led astray by false teachers. I mean, we're shepherds. It's like that that analogy. It's one of the main portraits that we have of pastors of elders in churches in the New Testament is that they are to guard and watch and feed the flock of God. Well, you can't do that if you don't know the word of God and you don't see how the word of God connects to itself and then relates to all of life And uh, in every culture, it's transcultural. So there are, there are things about pastoral ministry that never, ever change over time or place because they are, they are uh, given to us in scripture that is, goes beyond any specific human culture. They, they are to be uh, utilized in every culture, every circumstance in order to shape people to help the gospel be understood and applied in the lives of those who believe it. So it's a it's a massive job nobody's capable of it Paul said who's sufficient for these things and mm. he speaks for everyone who is in that uh, that office that the scripture lays out as elder overseer
1: pastor yeah c- certain uh certain scriptures that that pop into my brain first first timothy two twelve, of course uh, and i do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man but be to be in, si- in silence and then uh titus 2 4 and 5 that they admonish the young women to love their husbands to love their children to be discreet chaste homemakers good obedient to their own husbands that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and whenever I hear these verses, uh, spoken and, uh, the pushback is always, Oh, so women are supposed to submit. I'm like, yeah, Ephesians five, (laughs) you know, and and there's, and it's like, it turns into that chauvinistic, you know, like, Oh, well, man lords over the woman. And, and, you know, there's, there's uh, all these different stipulations that people want to throw in on our, on our human level or whatever. But uh, could you just speak on some of that, some of that pushback that that we hear from you know, because I mean we're supposed to love our love our wives like Christ loves the church.
0: Lay down our life.
1: You know, yeah. We I think I mean, we have the greater yeah, calling we have actually. a greater calling, you know. <laughs> so I mean this is this is huge and maybe that's moving away from the uh, women in the pastoral role. But, you know, I don't know, Tom. We're what could? What is our? What is our defense
2: at that? Yeah, well, it, it's it's more fundamental than the issue that is being debated. Uh, it goes back to Genesis one one. Mm. I mean, this is God's world, and He gets to set the rules, mm-hmm. and Amen. He has set the rules. Yeah, and people don't like His rules. I mean, that's just the basic reality of today. Is we live in this egalitarian age where everybody gets a trophy and nobody's supposed yeah. to be better than anybody else, and <laughs> uh, we're we're supposed to be tearing down all hierarchies and. Uh, anyone that's advanced above others is is an oppressor. I mean, th- th- this is the worldview of the day that has come in like a flood. Mm. And even within the church, we have seen this happen. And so people get offended by the verses like the one you read in First Timothy two twelve. Right. You know, Paul says, "I do not <laughs> permit a woman to exercise authority over man or to to teach." Yeah. Well, what the way that that verse has been mangled. In many church circles today, it winds up saying, I do permit a woman to teach right. and exercise for men. <laughs> and that was Whatever just for that, it, <laughs> yeah, right, for that time, is what they'll tell you. Yeah, that's right. It was for that time. Well, he appeals to uh, creation in the very next verse, you know, mm-hmm. because he was the one who was deceived. So you go back to creation. What do you find in Genesis 1 and 2? Well, God created Adam first, God gave Adam the responsibility initially in the garden. I mean, Eve wasn't there when Adam started exercising the cultural mandate. Mm. And you look at the things that Adam was responsible to do. Well, he was naming all of the animals. What is that? Well, that's an exercise of authority. When God creates from Adam Eve and gives her to Adam, what does he do? He calls her Eve. He names her. I mean, he's the one who does. And even after the fall in Genesis three, he calls her Eve. He gives her her name, the mother of all living. So this is this is a uh, an issue of authority. Authority is not bad. Authority yeah. can be abused. Yeah, but sure. all of life is under the ultimate authority of Jesus Christ. And what we're facing today in these specific issues, like women pastors or whatever else women want to do or other people think they ought to be allowed to do, is really a rebellion against Genesis one one. That This is God's world. And what we've got to do as Christians is come to terms with what the Bible says, refuse to compromise it, be as careful and clear as we can be, as loving as we can be, and not flinch and saying just what you said. Are, are you mean to tell me that women need to be submissive, or wife needs to be submissive to her husband? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what I'm telling you. That's the way God runs the world.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I'm so glad you brought that up, too, because some of the objections you will get uh, from from egalitarians or people who, who hold the view that in, in, anyone can become a pastor uh, or, or teach, and we'll get into that in a minute, is that it's just one or two or three verses, right? That's their first objection. Yeah. You brought it and just showed us that, no, it's from Genesis 1 throughout the whole created order of what God mm-hmm. has redeemed. Uh, two, people would say, oh, it's cultural. It was just for then. Uh, can you speak to that objection a little bit, why it couldn't have been just a just culture for that specific church or that in that specific letter?
2: Yeah. Well, if you go back to 1 Timothy 2.12, and that's what they love to do, and mm-hmm. I've read all the books about, the, well, not all, but I've read more than I <laughs> care to read at the stage of my life, <laughs> I've done it, uh, to try to understand the arguments from the other side. And I, you know, I did a debate back in 2019 with Dwight McKissick on this very issue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on this very thesis, and uh, so I did a lot of preparation for that, and that's where I read the contrary arguments uh, more than I had prior that time. But after Paul makes this assertion, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, he says, For in verse 13, Adam was formed first, then Eve. Oh. So hmm. Paul's grounding his argument in, in Ephesus,
0: yeah.
2: in creation. It's not, you know, because Aphrodite's uh, temple is here and you know how those priestesses and Aphrodite with Aphrodite are. They they create havoc in homes, and I just don't want that to happen. And we've seen a lot of them converted. and They're coming into church. They're—I mean, that's just hogwash. Yeah, that's hogwash. He could have said that. He didn't come. We're clear that near saying that. He roots it in Genesis one and two. Yeah. And yeah. so, those who want to claim it's just cultural for that day, they've got to do gymnastics around sure. these verses yeah. and and Paul's argumentation. And if you can do that. Well, then anything's fair game. You can make the Bible uh, into any kind of rubber nose to fit whatever face you want.
0: And then the third objection you would usually get is, hey, what about Priscilla and Aquila? Yeah, Priscilla, Aquila, Deborah. You know, uh, what about these women in leadership roles? And maybe we have to define the difference between leadership, teaching and pastoral duties or or preaching. I mean, is there a definition, definitions there that we need to define or or those examples, not good examples for that side's argument?
2: No, I I welcome all the examples. I mean, I don't think there's any verse that's off limits. Mm -hmm. We should never, never be embarrassed by anything the Bible says, but we should give the Bible the same benefit of the doubt, especially the specific authors in the Bible. When we're talking about one place they've written something that might create some tension with another place where they've written, we ought to give them the same benefit of the doubt that we would want others to give us, you know, give me the, at least Uh, benefit of thinking that I'm not completely inconsistent. You know, I'm not saying uh, one thing over here and something completely opposite and inconsistent with it over there, that we do believe in the law of non-contradiction and that that was operating in the biblical times as well. So I'm not afraid of those verses Aquila and Priscilla. Yeah, man, praise God for the wonderful things that they did in helping Apollos and their service in the church in Rome as well. And and their assistance with Paul Uh, Phoebe in carrying the letter, from Paul to Rome. I mean, no doubt, Paul trusted her. You read Romans 16, you look at the names of all those people that he commends, and many, many of them, I I think most, but at least many of them are women. So we're not oppressing women. We're not saying, oh, women don't have any place in the church. Absolutely not. I mean, I've never been a part of a church that uh, could have functioned the way it was supposed to function if the women, godly women, weren't doing their jobs. And and I'm the church I've been in now 35 years as the lead pastor. uh, We've got some of the godliest women I've ever known. And man, I mean, they work harder than a whole lot of men (laughs) in the church work harder than I do at times. And I I praise God for them, but they're not pastors. They don't want to be pastors because they understand what God's called them to be. And they're delighted with fulfilling the responsibilities God's given them to carry Mm. out. That's, That's the problem. Here's what I see at the heart of this is that you, you cannot measure the, the value of a woman by a man, mm-hmm. nor can you measure the value of a man by a woman. That's and good, yet huh? in our egalitarian age, that's exactly what's going on. And it's, it's like Annie Oakley, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. And if yeah. you don't allow that to be a possibility, then you're being chauvinistic. Well, it's just not true. And, and I just, we, have, we have to look at it and say, uh-uh, you know, not in <laughs> God's world. Right. That's the world we're living in.
1: Yeah, that's something Greg and I were talking about before um, uh, the show. We we're just talking about just the uh, the discipleship within the church now, um, and just pastors that don't want to preach on these hard subjects, you know, and uh, and also just the the fatherlessness of this generation. Like, there's more women that are having to step up because men in certain situations aren't there or aren't stepping up and they're afraid. Yeah. And so the woman is trying to take, you know, on the man's role and, you know, we're running into a little bit of that as well. Yeah, yeah. no doubt.
2: I mean, I, I, I would lay all this squarely on the shoulders of men mm. and then more squarely yet on the shoulders of pastors. Yeah. Uh, we're the ones to feed the flock. We're the ones to preach and teach. We're the ones to set forth sound doctrine and to train other men who can then themselves turn around and and train those who follow after them. And the, the reality is that Christians in the West, in our generation, have been far better discipled by the world than they have by the Word of God. And churches have taken second, third, or fourth place to the world in their discipleship efforts. Just I mean, Disney disciples our people far better right, than churches, right. mm, yeah. and we just need to own up to that and recognize that that we've got to do a better job going forward than we have thus far. I mean, it, we've we've lost a lot of ground, and we try to make it up or try not to to be pushed any further by hoping that if we are just nice enough, that the world will quit quit pushing us further, and that. It's not going to work. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and to Jason's point too, I had read a poll, geez, probably eight or nine years ago now, and it showed a direct uh, correlation of first, second and third wave feminism on the rise over the last 50 years. Mm. And, uh, and egalitarianism in churches, huh. almost marrying that once really? again, demonstrating to me that the culture of the gospel is bowing to the culture of the secular culture, which, which just like, I, like I said earlier, absolutely drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, we, We bow to Christ. But very quickly, uh, to wrap this kind of section up here, too, maybe we should get into a little bit of complementarianism and then the objection that you get from the other side that says, hey, hey, so you don't value women. You don't uh, think that they're equal to men. Uh, You think they're less than. And I would ask you, how would you define complementarianism, and is there an unequal value, or is it unequal just in role? What's your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, no, it's not, a, not an equal in value at all. I mean, God made them, male and female, in His image, He made them. So it, Genesis 1, Genesis 2 makes that crystal clear, that women, the woman is no less an image bearer of God than is the man. And this is my point I was trying to make earlier the value of a woman you can't determine her value by measuring her against a man just like you wouldn't do that for a man against a woman god created us different this is the way he designed it to be maleness and femaleness and we complement each other that's what yeah. you know not not say nice things about each other but we work <laughs> together do that too yeah, if yeah. you're married though do that too if you're married it's a good, good policy but we work together so that we we complete that which god intends to to be recognized and put on display in his created order by his image bearers that's no a disparagement of single men or women god does call some men some women to be single and some will be single for life and some will be married and then be single and those are realities and they're no less valuable they're no less uh capable of serving the lord they're no less image bearers in those situations But in the marriage relationship, God designed marriage for a specific purpose. And you look at Ephesians 5, it's far more than companionship. Marriage does bring companionship. It's far more than procreation, though marriage is the way for the earth to be populated and dominion to be uh, exercised throughout God's created world. Marriage is primarily, according to five, Ephesians 5, to be a living parable of the relationship of Christ and the church. And so marriage is all about the gospel. God designed marriage to put the gospel on display. And when husbands and wives are living the way God's called us to live in marriage, then we are acting out the gospel. What that means is that the wife gets to to display. She gets to fulfill the role of the one who gets rescued, the church, the people of God who have been saved by sin and set free the man gets to fulfill the role of the one who gets slaughtered in order to rescue the bride. And so that's what we're called to do in sacrificing our lives in loving our wives, the way Christ has loved his bride, the church, man, if we could recapture that vision of marriage, it would go a long way to helping men to step up to the plate and own the responsibility with all of our weakness, all of our shortcomings and saying, dear God, help me, give me grace, give me strength to fulfill this calling that you have laid upon me because it is way beyond me. But so many men have advocated that responsibility and we are bearing the bad fruit of it in our day. Yeah.
0: So talk very quickly about teaching versus preaching. Biblically speaking, do you see a difference between women teaching and women preaching? Is it, is teaching within a role that is biblical? Is it women just teaching women? Can, can women teach men like biblically? Where do you see that difference between teaching and, and preaching or pastoral leadership?
2: Yeah, well, certainly women not only can they must teach women. That Titus two passage you referred to late, uh, earlier Amen. goes on to say, you know, the older women are to teach the younger women, right. and so there's responsibility that is born there. Certainly, women can teach, and they have good, some women have wonderful gifts of teaching. They write books, they write hymns, and none of those things are shameful. I, I'm not embarrassed by any of those things, but that does not mean then that God would call them to serve in the role of elder, bishop, pastor in a church where he's given very specific qualifications mm-hmm. and inherent in at least some of those qualifications, husband and one, one wife, and then uh, being able to teach men as the negative side of first 72 too, it, you have to be a man. You can't be a woman and fulfill that. Now, women can teach, women can do wonderful things, and I don't have any problem. With that, and I don't think we should. I, I think sometimes in reaction to the egalitarian spirit, we come across as if all women can do is just kind of come and sit and be quiet, and maybe change diapers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's <laughs> not at all. Right. Changing diapers is a glorious calling, however. We yeah. should never denigrate it. Amen. You know, baking yeah. cookies is a glorious thing. We should never denigrate it. But we should not suggest that women who uh, are not going to ever be pastors in the church because they own their responsibility or somehow playing second fiddle or that they are less valuable. Not at all. I, Luther's, Luther's doctrine of vocation is another thing we need to recover, that mm. whatever God has called us to be is a noble, honorable yeah. calling before God, uh, whether that's a cobbler, whether that's a baker, a butcher, or a pastor. We all are called by God. We have different gifts, different places in his world to Uh, live and roles to fulfill, but we don't look down on one another simply because our roles and responsibilities are different. Amen. Amen. And
0: I would just comment very quickly too. I think also the reason we see a rise in this is because we've actually lowered the standard, of the qualifications for pastoral leadership and eldership and then elevated the celebrity of it too. So we have, so, so, so we, I mean, if you really look at the qualifications and the ramifications of being a pastor, Pastor Tom, uh, I just, I tell you this as a pastor, I don't think I could ever do that. When I seriously consider what the qualifications are and the ramifications of what you will be held accountable for on the day of judgment, it is a holy calling. And we've lowered that down to such that it's, hey, I, I go to you know some non-accredited course for 12 months, I get a certificate, I'm going to start my ministry and yeah. throw like we said earlier, yeah. ki- kind of joking, throw in some fog machines, some hit band music <laughs> right. and start my ministry. And now you're this kind of mini celebrity within your own right. And it's like, well, first of all, it's nothing like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and if that's what you're chasing, then that's why maybe women do look at that and go, Hey, I want that too. I want all those benefits without any of the, any of the other, uh, you know, hard things that qualifications yeah, yeah. that come along with it. Yep. But um, very quickly, as we wrap this up, and then uh, Jason, I, I promise I'll let you talk. Oh
1: no 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 yeah. I, I, d-
0: I did want I did want to ask this. So you have we have a listener out there right now, and he's listening or she's listening. Let's say it's he he or she, and they go, you know, I've been reading through the Word. What Pastor Tom is saying is is dead on. I've been feeling that as well. It's a creative order, but I'm in a church that ordains women or has a women preacher. Is that a primary issue or a secondary issue for for a church that you're attending? Let's say you disagree with uh, female female pastors or or they're egalitarian and you're beginning to understand that you're complementarian is, is that a secondary issue is that something we can go look at secondary we're still believers we you know obviously we're not saying you're you're not a believer or not a christian but is it is it an issue big enough to go maybe I should be seeking elsewhere to attend church
2: yeah well i think that uh, when it comes to ecclesiological fellowship secondary issues are important you can't dismiss them you know i i can look across the aisle a lot of people Call them Christians. I've never started church with them uh, because we <laughs> have differences. <laughs> on, right no, yeah. it's not going to go well. So it, a lot of it would depend on context. You sure. know, I mean, if I were if I were a man who couldn't read, and I'm in a place where there is no other church in the nation, or you know, in a hundred miles, and there's a woman there who is literate and who is able to read and teach the Bible, well, I will receive the Word of God from her. You know, right. I, I would do that. Uh, but that's different than what most contexts that we are familiar with here in our own nation or in the West. And uh, it, it is an issue that's not born out of any kind of necessity or exception. It is an issue that is being pushed to become the rule and the norm. Mm. And so those are completely different. So I, I would, you know, I, it, it, the context would be significant for me, okay. but I, w- I would not lower this as insignificant simply because it's a secondary issue. Uh, no, it's secondary, but it has tremendous implications uh, beyond the, the, Church, but certainly within the church and so where uh, where there were alternatives i would pursue alternatives mm. and yeah. i think
0: you said that was so good you said the necessity right of it is yeah. really kind of the determining factor is it's it a necessity yeah. Yeah. yeah jason you got anything as we wrap yeah, up no here i mean, let's, tom askel
1: let's let's get away from the wishy-washy gospel and let's uh get into the word and and read what it actually
0: says Huh? amen that's, <laughs> that, that's why we love that, pastor should, should tom i not added. say that <laughs> we can say that you know uh, every time we do we lose a few listeners but i know okay. right that's okay hey you know we I'm want the ones that, that are hungry for the word that uh, hey didn't
1: didn't christ go from five thousand to just 12
0: <laughs> <I said,
1: laughs> yeah there you go you
0: know <laughs> oh pastor tom as we wrap up here can you just throw out uh any websites social media anything you got going on right now where listeners could find your content or uh you know listen to you
2: yeah, well, you can go to founders.org, founders.org, and that will launch you into everything we're doing. We do a podcast weekly, The Sword and the Trowel. Jared Longshore and I yep. do that, and I would invite you to come and check that out as well. And then this, this Institute of Public Theology that we're launching. In August, Tom Nettles will be teaching a course on the uh, pillar and ground of the truth, or buttress of the truth, Church History One. I'll be teaching a course on pastoral theology in the public square. Those are our first two courses. We've got August twenty eighth, our convocation, initial convocation. We got Everett Piper coming in to speak for that here in Cape Coral. So uh, you can go to the Institute of Public Theology org and find out more information about us there. But I would welcome. Uh, folks checking us out and uh, any encouragement you can provide for us, we'd we take that too. Man, yeah. I might be moving to Florida. <laughs> yeah, come on. We, right. we,
0: you know, we are we we are in the talks with uh, with Governor DeSantis right now to yeah. be on the podcast. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I had to yeah. pull some connections right, down right. there. Uh, with these. do you know him, Tom? Let's
2: let's call him up. <laughs> I don't. Let us know. <laughs> hey, get him on your show, giving my number. Okay. Yeah, I tried, yeah. <laughs> right. I tried to talk to him, and I couldn't get into him.
0: <laughs> and then also, are you going to be
2: at G three this year? No, I am not. Founders okay. will be there, Founders, but I've yeah. got a previous commitment. Yeah. Okay,
0: okay, yeah, we're headed down there uh, to Atlanta. We were hoping to see you in person, but uh you know, founders will be there, and that'll be awesome. yeah, Pastor yeah. Tom, thank you so much. Yeah, I just want to you. say as we wrap up here, I know you have touched both of our lives through yep. sound preaching of the word. We Amen. appreciate you. We appreciate you taking this time to speak with us. and anytime uh, you want to come back on the podcast, talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about, We are good to have you, yeah, because we love you brother, definitely. appreciate it. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. Jason, you got anything before we head out? Later, dudes. All right, as always, (laughs) God bless. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com. None of